Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Before we take our seats, let's spend a minute in prayer, okay? Father, we thank you for our, for our freedom in this country to gather together like this. We thank you, Lord, for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we have open ears and eyes to see everything from your word that you have for us today. Thank you for giving us the blessing and the promises, these exceedingly great and precious promises that we stand upon each and every day. We approach your word this morning with reverence and respect, and we thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you shall show us from Scripture to help us uh, sharpen our sword and be as lethal as we need to be in these last days for you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody that agrees with that said together, amen. amen. All right, everybody, have a seat. And uh, first of all, uh, let me just tell you, I'm wearing a hat because I visited my dermatologist last Monday, and the guy went sort of crazy. On my head was zapping and things, so it's just better to wear the hat and not have to look like I just went through the war zone. So that's why I'm wearing this anyway. But don't you think it looks okay anyway? Uh, whatever. Praise the Lord. Okay. Uh, before we get into the Word of God, let me just take a few minutes and talk a, bit, a little bit about uh, what we were able to accomplish overseas this past summer, of which this church is an integral a part of what we do there, okay? You guys pray for us. You guys are generous with your support. So you need to know what all of this is enabling us to do. Uh, we had um, a missions, well, let me back up. We had a youth conference in May. Every three years we have these big national conferences. And uh, this past May we had our national youth conference. We had more than 700 young people in our compound for three days. And the theme for the conference was send me from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. This is the question that God will give. And really, it's a question that applies to us today as much as it does or did for them back in those days, thousands of years ago. He said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? That's a question. And uh, the prophet replied and said, here, my Lord, send me. And that's the correct answer. That answer opens up all of heaven to a believer. When you say to the Lord, here am I, send me, or if I may paraphrase, here am I, use me, I am available. All of these exceedingly great and precious promises that we find in the Bible become available to us because God will move heaven and earth to make sure we have the resources, the protection, the finances, the provision, the favor, whatever else we need, he'll provide that for us because we're out there doing kingdom business in his name. Anyway, that was the theme, send me. So for three days, we had these young people with us. And, um, you know, people were filled with the Spirit. Hundreds and hundreds of souls were charged and refired uh, for Jesus. And so we sent them back to their home churches. We have about 300 churches now. And so all of these young people come from these churches. And every three years, we do these conferences. And so um, that was in May. And then we did our three summer tours, of which some of you have been on these in days gone by. Uh, and, you know, the, the results are just phenomenal. Every year we see God move in ways that just, you know, you stand there and shake your head. You can't hardly believe what you're watching, what's actually taking place. We had three tours, one in June, one in July, and one in August. And we have three scheduled for next summer, too, in 2020. And this is the tour group results. These are the official results, okay? Now, we know that when we have these meetings... Other people are there that we don't get their names and addresses because they either come late or they leave early or they're standing hiding behind the coconut tree. We don't know. 
But these are the people that we were able to get their names. We know they were there, okay? These are the official results. We were able to reach with the gospel 6,182 people. That's, uh, that's adults and children. 6,182 people heard the gospel. And of those 6,182 that were approached with the word of God, 5,235 people were born again. Let me just repeat, 5,235 souls were saved. Amen. Amen. In three summer tours. Each tour is six days of outreach. So three tours times six, that's 18 days of outreach. In 18 days, this was what we were able to accomplish in the name of Jesus. And your church is a part of this. Not only that, but in these meetings, we pray for the sick. And in these three summer tours, there were 1,986 souls healed healed. So if you're sick today, you're in the right place. The doctor is in, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. 1900. And I'm not talking about just migraine headaches going away. I'm talking about people who couldn't see. I'm talking about people who uh, were crippled. I'm talking about people that had physical problems. I'm thinking of one particular man in particular. He couldn't lift his, he was a carpenter, and he couldn't lift his shoulders because of some kind of accident that he had uh, happened to him years and years before, and he had lost his ability to ply his trade because he couldn't work with his arms and his shoulders all messed up. And uh, just people like you laid hands on the man in the name of Jesus, and he was instantly healed. We got video of it. The guy's raising his arms. He's crying. He can't believe it. You know, it's just that easy. And I tell people, I was speaking to Jasmine here a few minutes before service started, people are amazed that God can use them in these ways. They have this I'm not qualified mentality because I didn't go to somebody's Bible school somewhere or I don't have a certificate on the wall telling me that I'm uh, ordained by somebody somewhere. If you just show up with a heart after God and a heart to believe God and hands to lay on the sick, you're qualified. And it's amazing to see God work in the hearts of the people who go on these tours. So we have three of them set for next year. So if you're interested, uh, there's one in June, one in July, and one in August. And you're more than welcome to come join us and be a part of what I'm describing to you here. In addition, uh, we have two new church plants because of these meetings, two different places we went where the Lord said they need a church, and I want you to plant one here. So we're in the process of planting and building two new churches as a result of these crusades that were conducted this past summer. Praise the Lord for that. And then finally, if you have been following our newsletters or Facebook postings, really, my wife does this more than I do, but uh, we set out to expand our administration building in January. January of 2019, we demolished the old building, just tore it down. It was built in 1988, and it was a fine building, but it was small. It was too old, and we were growing, and we needed more space. So God said, just build a new one. So we took him at his word. We uh, knocked it down in January, and and he was instructing us to build by cash, no borrowing of any money, just cash as you go. So we've been able to raise so far about $120,000, and we are nearing completion of the building. And there are photographs on Facebook that you can see if you're interested. Agree with us, there's about $10,000 left to raise. Okay? So agree with us in prayer that God will provide those uh, funds for us to finish the project. So we want to, you know, have this done by the end of the year. That was the timeline that God gave me. We are already ahead of schedule by three months. So uh, be in faith with us that God will provide those funds and to help us finish that in Jesus' name. Amen.
And if you're interested to sign up for our electric newsletter, electric e-newsletter, we're shifting gears. We're no longer going to be mailing them out unless you just really need one. Some people just like the mail and they just, you know, that's the way they are and they want it. So we'll, we'll keep the letters for those. But for the most part, we're moving to an electronic format. So if you're interested, if you have an email address and if you could give it to us, then we'll just uh, get you on the list and you'll receive the e-newsletters from now on. We're going to put one out this month with pictures from the uh, uh, youth conference and the next month pictures of the administration building project. So anyway, that's all available uh, so if you're interested, then we'll talk about that later on, okay? So, and then finally, while I think of it, while it's here in front of me, this was the shirt that they wore last summer. All the people that went on the tour wore this shirt. This is the official field uniform for the Crusades, okay? We designed it, you know, we are, we are in the army of the Lord, so I wanted to have a military theme to this. Uh, so hence the uh, camouflage, the camo design, Army on the front, special forces established 33 A.D. Then on the back, it's uh, the name of our ministry, MKMI Missions. We are, therefore we go. So because this thing has been so popular, we decided to make it available for people, even if they didn't go on the tour and just like to wear a nice shirt. I guarantee if you put this on, it will generate interest. People will want to know what this is all about. So... Wear it to the gym or just wear it wherever you want to go. Praise the Lord. But anyway, these are available, and they already gave one to your beloved pastor there, so he's going to be wearing his at some point along the way. Amen. So if you like good Christian, good to the gym or to uh, Whiskey Creek or wherever you want to go, yes, praise the Lord. Feel free to wear it and explain why you're wearing it and uh, what it's all about. Praise the Lord for that. Okay. How many brought their Bibles or their Bible app, their Bible device, whichever you're choosing to work with today? Turn with me, if you would, to Habakkuk chapter number 2. Actually, chapter 3, sorry. I just want to comment upon what this church has been through this past year with the flood and all that you are continuing to do to rebuild the work. Okay, Things like this happen. We live in a cursed world, okay? Satan is the God of this world, and things like this, unfortunately, happen. Bad things do happen to good people, and bad things happen to good Christian people, too. Okay? And I just felt led to read this passage to you and just give you a word of encouragement before we shift gears and talk about a few other things. This is Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Here's what the word says. Though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high Heels, not high heels, high heels. Verse number 17 is what the devil does. Verse number 18 is how you respond to what the devil does. Verse number 19 is what God does in response to what you do, in response to what the devil does. I want you to see the progression. 
17 is Satan at work. 18 is your response to Satan at work. And 19 is God's response to your response. And when we face things like floods that wipe our churches out and other natural disasters, in the Philippines you've got mudslides that wipe out churches. You've got earthquakes that wipe out churches. You've got all kinds of things that, that happen, okay? These verses need to be meditated upon because, listen, you know, if you look at verse 17, that is the devil at work. And if you are an economist, I mean, what we're talking about here is total economic wipeout. Nothing is working. There's no fruit on the vines. The labor of the olive fails. The fields have no crops. The flock is cut off. There's no herd in the stalls. This is total financial wipeout here. And notice the attitude in verse 18. We're not complaining. We're not mumbling. We're not saying, why, God, why? We are making a decision, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. See, it's easy to rejoice when everything's going the way we want for it to go. But when everything falls apart and we're being attacked simultaneously on all angles at the same time, which is what the devil excels at doing, okay, trying to overwhelm us with bad news and bad situations and catastrophe and so forth, this is what we choose to do. Yet I will. Will is a choice. I will. He's making a choice. I don't care if there are no uh, crops in the field. I don't care if the flocks have been cut off. I don't care if the olive uh, farm has been wiped out. I don't care. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to rejoice. I will join the God of my salvation. And based upon that answer, look at what God does. Verse 19, the Lord is my strength. He'll make my feet like deer's feet. He'll make me walk on my high hills. This is what God does in response to what we do in response to what the devil does. So I just want to encourage you before we shift gears and get over into some other things, you know, listen, your best days are all ahead of you. Okay? You need to know that. When you're still looking at a building that's still not yet repaired from the floods from last spring, you still need to remember, hey, our work here is not done. And what the devil has tried to do will only further the work of God in progress for what he intends to do to use this church the way he has always intended for this church to be used. And I know from my own mouth, I've prophesied over this church a number of times about the global outreach of this church. You guys need to see beyond Norfolk. You guys need to understand you are affecting the world. For one thing, you're helping us. And I just read to you what happened overseas because of churches like yours that pray for us and support us like you do. You know, we don't have all these mega churches underwriting our work. It's churches like yours. You know, 100 people here, 75 people there, 110 people here. You know, listen, if everybody does what they're instructed to do by God, things get done for the Lord that have eternal ramifications. Amen. And you need to see beyond the chairs. You need to see beyond the parking lot and realize this is a global work and I'm a part of it. Amen. Amen. And I am going to rejoice. I may be looking at a building that's, you know, gutted because of flooding. I may be looking at a, a, a facility that's wiped out because of an earthquake or whatever. I mean, in the Philippines, you've got volcanic explosions. You've got floods. You've got uh, earthquakes. You've got all kinds of typhoons. You know, uh, a few years ago, uh, some of our churches were absolutely flattened to the ground with a hurricane, what they call typhoons over there. Okay, just the, there was no church left. There was no town left that the church was in. The town was gone along with the church. We rebuilt the church, and the church is stronger today than it's ever been. Okay, and everybody was meeting under the palm trees for a couple months while we were building it back up. See, things happen, but if you keep your mind right with God, 
You don't get discouraged. You get encouraged. Let me say that again. You don't get discouraged. You get encouraged. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. So that's my introduction. Thank you, Jesus. That was good. Thank you. Amen. You know, people need to be reminded, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a part of something bigger than this, what this is, what all I can see. I'm, I'm part of something bigger than this. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. So now, having said all of this, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's get into what I have in my heart to share from the Word this morning and also this evening. Okay? If you have followed my ministry for any length of time or listened to me preach, uh, you know, as I've come to harvest over the years, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to get across to the body of Christ the importance of knowing who they are. Okay? Uh, identity Christianity. Most Christians don't know who they are. They know they're Christian, but that's about where it ends. They don't know what they can do. They don't know what kind of authority they carry. They don't know how they can terrorize the kingdom of darkness. They don't know any of this stuff. Okay, the greatest hindrance to the work of the gospel on the planet right now is ignorance within the body of Christ, people who don't know who they are. Churches are full of people who show up on church on Sunday and just they don't know anything. And they leave and they go out about their daily affairs for the next six days, you know, earning money or doing whatever. And then they come back to church and sit there as ignorant as ever. And the process is repeated week after week and month after month and year after year. And they live and die and never do anything for Jesus of any spiritual significance. Why? Because they don't know who they are. They don't know what they can do. They don't know what God expects from them. And they don't understand their authority that they have in Christ. So as a result, they're just a bunch of complainers and mumblers and grumblers about all the difficult things that are happening in their life. Peter wrote uh, an entire epistle. First Peter was written to encourage people going through hell on earth. And he said in chapter 4, verse 12 specifically, he said, don't consider it strange concerning fiery trials that come against you as though something weird is happening to you. Basically, he's telling them, expect this stuff. Expect it. You are being shot at. Okay, bad things will happen to people from time to time. But like Habakkuk says, keep your mind right. Keep your mouth right. Keep your confession positive. And you'll get through these difficult times. And God can use you to win souls and be a player and not just a spiritual spectator in somebody's church on Sunday mornings. Can anybody say amen? I want to be a player, not just a spectator. I'm not a commentator on what someone else is doing. I want to be doing something for the Lord. I love these people that come along and, you know, want to tell us how to run our ministry, you know, and they haven't done anything themselves, you know, but they want to come along and talk about how we're too too extreme on this side and too passionate over here and we need to tone it down and all this. Are you kidding? You know, first of all, I'll tell these people, listen, Tiger, you know, before you comment upon what we're doing, can you please uh, tell us what you're doing for the Lord? I mean, you know, where's your resume, you know? What's your idea of Christian outreach? What have you been doing? You know, and if you've been at the job of evangelizing souls for 40 plus years like we have, and if you've been shot at a few times and seen a few bullets wise or, you know, whiz by, I should say, and someone jump up on the stage with knives and try to knife you in the middle of your message, things of this nature. If you've been there and been and have a story to tell, then I've got I've got all ears to listen to you. But if you haven't done these things and you're just sitting in the chair commenting upon what everybody else is doing, just shut up. 
in Jesus' name. Go somewhere and disappear. You have no value to the kingdom of God. You are the problem, not the solution. But do it in love, of course. Lovingly tell them to disappear in Jesus' name. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. This is Jesus. It says, he himself gave some, everyone say some. Okay, he didn't give all. He gave to some gifts. Here they are, apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Why? For the, uh, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, so these gifts are given for purposes listed in verse number 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to edify the body of Christ. But I want you to notice that these gifts, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, are not given to everybody. They're given to select few, okay? Not everybody's an apostle. Not everybody's a prophet. Not everybody's a pastor. Not everybody's an evangelist. But listen, even though not everybody is an evangelist, Everybody's commanded to evangelize. Amen? It's called the Great Commission. Okay? Jesus said to the believers, he said, if you believe in me, here's what I want you to do. You go into all the world, you preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe will be condemned, and these signs shall follow those who believe. He didn't say these signs will follow those who went to Bible school or those who are ordained by somebody somewhere. He said they follow believers, okay? So if that's the case, then that's what I'm supposed to be doing, all right? That is for everybody, okay? Some people can be an evangelist, but everybody's commanded to evangelize inside the body of Christ, okay? Now, the reason I bring this up is because certain things in the Bible are reserved for certain people, okay? I stand in an office that not everybody stands in. I didn't ask for this. This was something God chose to do, okay? But there are some things that are applicable to everybody. No matter who you are, inside the body of Christ, these things apply to you, okay? This is what we're talking about. We're going to talk about who we are today from a particular angle, Okay, because if you don't know who you are, you're just going to keep showing up at church on Sunday, you know, brother blend in, you know, you won't be doing anything for the Lord. You'll just be a body in a chair somewhere. You need to know who you are to go out and do something in the name of Jesus that counts for the eternal work of God. Does anybody want to stand before the Lord someday in heaven with a long line of people behind them to say to Jesus, thank you, Lord, because if it wasn't for this person, I don't think I'd be here. I'd like to have a long line of people behind me to say such things about the life I lived. Amen? I'm sorry to say most Christians, thank God they're Christians, but most of them will stand before the Lord on their judgment day. There won't be any line there. There'll be nobody there. Okay? And I'm happy they're saved. Jesus is happy they're born again. But where's the people that they were affecting for the Lord? Where, where are they? The answer is probably in most cases there aren't any because nobody did anything. Okay? So, Look with me, if you would. Let's see. First um, Peter 2.9. Okay, just mark it down. We won't turn there uh, because i got other verses I want to cover here. Okay, First Peter 2.9. It talks about the fact that we are all a chosen generation. Okay, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Okay, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Who? Everybody. Everybody, we are a chosen generation. That would include you, 
me and every Christian on the planet. We are also a royal priesthood. Who? Everybody. Okay? Jesus is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. We're the lords. We're the kings. He's Lord and King over. Everybody. And we're a holy nation. We are the body of Christ. These things apply to every Christian, no matter where they may be. In in Nebraska, in the United States, in the Philippines, in Europe, wherever they are, these verses apply. We are part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, okay? A chosen generation, okay? We are all witnesses to the truth as well, okay? We're told to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's a, that's a commandment for every child of God, everybody, okay? Now, what we do depends upon God's individual assignments for that particular person, okay? I'm assigned to the Philippines. That's where I'm supposed to go, okay? But at the same time, uh, others are assigned to go other places, okay? You just have to seek out the Lord and find out where he wants you to go and then go there and do what he asks you to do in the name of Jesus. And guess what? When you do that, good things happen. Favor surrounds you like a shield. Money overtakes you. The Bible says money can actually run you down and overtake you. Anybody interested? I am. I'd like to see the money run me down, overtake me, praise God. Well, I've got so much, I don't know what to do with it all. Amen. Okay, the point is certain things apply to everybody and certain things don't, okay? So one of those things that does apply to everybody is found, let's look, uh, let's see which verse we'll start with. Let's go to um, 2 Corinthians 5.20. Let's start there. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. He says to them in verse 20, Now then, we are what? Ambassadors for who? Christ. All right, notice the words. Now then, we are. Okay. This is not something we're going to become when we go to heaven. This is something we are now. We are ambassadors for Christ. So I'm going to talk to you about what that means. Okay, we're going to talk about an ambassador's profile. Okay, you know, in the Philippines, there is the United States Embassy in Manila. There's also a consulate in Cebu. Okay, in the uh, embassy in Manila, we have a United States ambassador to the Philippines. He is our representative officially to that country. And in Washington, there's a Philippine embassy where there's a Filipino, you know, um, ambassador from the Philippines to the United States. Okay. And that person represents their country to our country as well as our ambassador in Manila represents our country to theirs. Okay. Now, according to this verse, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, that's the message of the ambassador, to go into all the world and tell people, be reconciled to God. Okay? Be reconciled. That's the, that's the message of the ambassador. Okay? We represent Jesus. We represent heaven. Okay? Uh, then verse 21, for he who made him to be no, or, I'm sorry, for he, who, he, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
Okay, so when we're reconciled, we become righteous. This is the message of the ambassador. But I want to talk to you today, and we're going to talk about this today and tonight, because I'm going to give you a number of things that identify the profile of an ambassador. What does this person do? Why do they do it? And what is their identity? What, what, you know, how do you identify and define an ambassador? Okay. So we're just going to go through these and see what the Bible talks about. You know, um, once again, we're supposed to be witnesses for the truth as an ambassador. You and I are official representatives of heaven. Official representatives of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. The nation of heaven. The whatever, planet of heaven, call it what you will, we represent another kingdom. Okay? We live here temporarily. This is not our home. This is where we're working. Okay? This is not our home. This is where we're working for the Lord. We're going to go home when we die physically or the rapture takes place, whichever event precedes the other. Then we go home. We're not home yet. We're on a journey to get home. Okay? That's why I tell people, don't get so attached to the things of this world. Learn to give things away. All right? Give things away and other things will be given to you and keep giving away. You can't outgive God. Okay? You can't outgive God. We've given away cars. We've given away motorcycles. I just got a motorcycle two days ago. Why? Because I sowed seeds. I've given at least three or four motorcycles to other people over the years in the Philippines. Well, someone turned around and gave me one. Amen. You, you, you can't outgive God. He's always going to be one step ahead of where you are if you understand the temporal nature of this life. Learn to be a giver, not a taker. Amen. Learn to be a giver, not a receiver. That's a, that's a compliment to this church. The size of this church and the amount of money you give us and the amount of prayers you invest in our work, that speaks. Amen. It really does. Anyhow, so now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Okay, we are now, not we will be someday, we are already. So let's talk about what the profile of an ambassador will entail, okay? So write these down, okay, and then we'll we'll give verses for each of these, okay? We'll cover probably four of them this morning and five this afternoon, or I mean this evening. We're going to cover nine of them, okay? So write these things down as I give them to you, and then we'll go look at the verses that cover the statements that we make. Number one. An ambassador is a high-ranking minister of state chosen of royalty. Remember, we're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, remember? Okay. An ambassador is a high-ranking minister of state chosen of royalty sent to another state to represent his own country. I'll repeat this for you, okay? An ambassador is a high-ranking minister of state chosen of royalty sent to another state to represent his own country. Okay? Sent to another state to represent his own country. Okay? We are part of a royal operation here. Okay? We are high-ranking ministers of state. That's every Christian. Okay? I tell people, you need to start thinking like one, looking like one, and acting like one. Okay? The United States ambassador to the Philippines doesn't show up at work with a pair of cutoffs on and a pair of Skechers shoes. <laughs> well, I know, but never mind. Praise the Lord. 
the point is, he understands who he is. He shows up at work, you know, in the Philippines that wear these things they call barongs. You know, it's their, it's their equivalent to a suit. Okay, he shows up in a suit. I mean, listen, the president of our country doesn't just roam around, you know, in a T-shirt and blue jeans. I mean, he, when he, you know, has a press conference or when, you know, I mean, the man's dressed in a coat and tie. He knows who he is. Okay, there is a certain protocol that you recognize and understand because of the position you hold. Okay, and I'm not suggesting we should just, you know, immediately just buy suits and wear suits and dresses all the time. I'm simply saying you need to be aware of the fact that you're a high-ranking minister of state, chosen of royalty, sent from one country to another to represent the country you're sent from. You have to ask yourself, how accurately am I representing the country that sent me, which happens to be heaven? Because if you don't know who you are, you're going to act like you don't know who you are. You're going to talk like you don't know who you are. And the devil will know you don't know who you are. Okay, there's a, there's a passage in Acts. I just read it the other day. I love the exchange. You know, there were seven sons of Sceva. This was Acts 17, I believe it was. You know, that, that saw Paul casting out spirits, evil spirits, using the name of Jesus. Paul would say in the name of Jesus, come out, and the evil spirits would come out. And these seven sons of Sceva were watching him do this. And they said, well, we can do that. Okay, so they found this demon-possessed nut, and they went into the house to cast out the spirit, you know. And they said, you know, we command you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. We command you to come out. And the evil spirit answered. I love this reply. The evil spirit answers and says, well, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? See, the devil knows who knows who they are, and he knows who doesn't know who they are. The evil spirit says, I know you don't know who you are. And the Bible says he leaped on them. One man leaped on these seven guys and tore them up. They ran out of the house naked and wounded. And the Bible says the whole city was talking about it. I guess so. Yeah, seven sons of Sceva. Not exactly in the exorcism business. Listen. The Bible talks about the fact we need to walk worthy of the calling. There's other, there's many verses in the New Testament that talk about walking worthy of the calling. Hmm? Because we understand who we are and who we represent. Okay? Look with me, if you would, at uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 3. We've got many verses for each of these points. We don't have time to cover all of them. But Luke chapter 10. Verse 1, Luke 10, 1 says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said in verse 2, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Okay. We are sent. Notice he sent them out two by two in this particular case. They were sent before his face into every city where he himself was about to go. He was sending them ahead. All right. Now listen, we have been sent ahead of the return of Jesus. Okay. We are doing what these people were told to do back then, okay? We are preparing the way for the Lord. We are preaching the gospel. We are telling people he's coming. How many have ever heard he's coming? I've heard it all my Christian life. Well, one of these days he's actually going to show up, okay? 
Because the Bible says there'll be a bunch of people that heard that all their life and say, yeah, man, I've heard that like 10,000 times. And on the day they say it for the 10,000 and first time, that's the day Jesus shows up. I intend to be ready. It could be today. If it's, if it's going to be today, I want to be found in faith. I want to be found with my head together, with my head on my shoulders, screwed on straight, knowing who I am and knowing why I'm here. The Bible says, Jesus has a question. When the Son of Man comes back to the earth, will he find faith? He's got a question. Will he find faith on the earth? I'd like to think that when he comes back, if it's today, he finds at least one person with faith, me. At least one. I can't control your life, but I can control mine. I want to be a person he finds walking in faith and doing what an ambassador is supposed to be doing down here. Amen? Representing the kingdom. Telling people, listen, there's a heaven, there's a hell. You're going up or you're going down, Jack, and, you know, it's up to you. Well, I don't believe that. Well, go to hell. That's where you're going to go. You're going to go which way, one way or the other. You're going whether you like it or not, okay? You die without Jesus, you go down. That's it. And if you go down, whichever direction you go, you go forever. You go forever. Mm Mm-hmm. Think about it. If you go down, you can scream all the way down, man, but there ain't going to be no answer. Okay? There's no parole down there either. You know, five years of flames, and then the Lord says, well, have you burned enough today? Going to accept me now? And, you know, listen, if everybody in hell had one more chance to get saved, hell would be emptied in 15 seconds. Of course they'd be, of course they'd accept him, but they'll never, ever, ever get the chance, Period. Eternity is a long time, and people go up or they go down. That's what we're to. That's what we're supposed to tell people. You know what? Their response is beyond us. That's none of our business. If they love us, thank God. If they don't, it's it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. Truth is, it's there. You're either going to embrace it or you're going to reject it. But there's a penalty for rejecting it in this particular case. And so that's the message we need to share. We need to walk worthy of the high calling. An ambassador talks, walks, thinks differently when he's in the country of assignment. That's why the Bible says walk worthy of the Lord. Okay? I'm in the country of assignment. That's called planet Earth. Okay? I'm going home to heaven, but I'm on assignment right now. So I need to think differently than everybody else. Christians need to think different than everybody else. They need to act different. There needs to be something different about us that people can see. They can't understand it. They can't define it, but they can see there's something different about these people. I can't really put my finger on it, but they're not like everybody else. Yeah, tragedies happen to them just like they happened to me. You know, this church got flooded like someone else's house got flooded, but how we respond is what they look at. How we respond, how what we say is what they're listening to. Okay, that's that's where the rubber meets the road. Okay, so number one, an ambassador is a high ranking minister of state chosen of royalty sent to another state to represent his own country. Okay, let's walk worthy of the assignment. All right. Number two. An ambassador does not appoint himself. Okay. In our case, in the case of the United States government, the president appoints ambassadors. The ambassador does not appoint himself. He doesn't just say, hey, you know, I'm going to be an ambassador. I just feel like I should be one. Or, you know, I, I just like this particular country, and I want to be an ambassador there. And, you know, he fills out the job application, and he just accepts it to himself. No, no, no. Ambassadors are appointed by a higher power. 
And in our particular case, God is the one who appointed us. Okay? He does not appoint himself. Look at John chapter 15, verse 16. John 15, 16. So, you know what? If he, if God appointed us, do you think he's prepared to give us whatever we need to carry out our assignments? I mean, if he's the one appointing us, what is, what's he going to do? Appoint us and then leave us out there in the lurch and leave us out there on our own to try and fend for ourselves? Oh, no, no. That's why when we go through all kinds of problems and difficulties, okay, fine, I'm going through a problem and a difficulty. But God sent me, so he's going to take care of me. Okay, John fifteen sixteen, Jesus speaks. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Notice, whatever you ask the Father, how much? Whatever you ask the Father in the name of Jesus, he will give you. Why? Because he appointed us. He said, I, you didn't choose me, I chose you. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't, God didn't wait for us to decide we needed a Savior. He just sent one. Before we even knew we needed one, he sent one. Okay? He, he chose to do that. Jesus died on the cross for everybody. Whether or not everybody accepts him or not, he died for everybody. Amen? Everybody's been, you know, covered at the cross. Now, Jesus said most of them are going to reject the free gift that's being offered, but the free gift is being offered to everybody. Okay? That's something he did. We didn't do that. He did it for us. Okay? That's why I tell people, look, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You know, whether you feel like you are or not, you are, and you didn't make yourself righteous. God did. So you can't make yourself unrighteous either because you've got a bunch of Christians running around always fearful that they've, they've committed the unpardonable sin. Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, the devil's telling me that uh, you know, God will never use me again. Who said that to you? Well, you know, this little voice whispering in my ear. I'll tell you who the voice is. It's the voice of the devil. God didn't, God made you righteous. He's not going to make you unrighteous. You can't undo what God did. Unless you're really stupid, but that's for another time. Point is, look at verse number 18. Same, same chapter. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Then verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Notice, he chose us out of the world. That's why we shouldn't sound like, act like, think like, dress like, and be like everybody else. Okay? Supposed to be different because we are ambassadors for another country sent to represent that country to this one, which happens to be planet Earth. Okay? Number three, an ambassador is not a citizen of the country he's in, but of the country he's from. It's very important. An ambassador is not a citizen of the country he's in, but of the country he's from. Okay? The United States ambassador to the Philippines is not a Filipino citizen. And the Philippine ambassador to the U.S., is not a U.S. citizen. He is a Filipino citizen, he or she, okay? 
The ambassador is not a citizen of the country he's in. He's a citizen of the country he's from. See, our citizenship is not here on earth. We may be, in a legal sense, citizens of America, but in a spiritual sense, this is not our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. Look with me, if you would, at Philippians 3.20. Philippians 3.20. This speaks right to the point. Philippians 3.20. For our citizenship is where? In heaven. It says it right there. I mean, you can't. You can't misunderstand something so plain. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. You are a citizen of heaven. And guess what? As a citizen of heaven, you have rights. Are you listening? You have rights because you're a citizen of heaven, just like American citizens have rights. We have a bill of rights. We have a constitution. We have legal standing in this country. Okay, because we are citizens of this country. Okay. And because we are citizens of heaven, we have rights. We have things that we can expect heaven to do for us because we are citizens of heaven. Okay. As ambassadors for heaven. Okay. This is why, you know, if you understand these things, you don't get upset about things that everybody else gets upset about. Praise the Lord. You just, you know, you don't. Because my citizenship is from somewhere else, okay? My ID card says citizen of heaven, a heavenly citizen. That's my ID card, okay? I don't need, I don't need to have a passport. I don't need to have a green card. I already have my card written in the blood of Christ. I'm a citizen of heaven, okay? Number four, an ambassador does not support himself. He doesn't live off the country he's in, but from the country he's from. That's very important. Let me repeat that. An ambassador does not support himself. He doesn't live off the country he's in, but from the country he's from. See, ambassadors don't have to go get a job in the city or the country where they're stationed because the the country that sent them is obligated to provide all their needs. Okay? That's the point that we're trying to drive home here. The ambassador does not support himself. He doesn't have to have a sideline job. He doesn't support himself. He doesn't live off the country he's in, but from the country he's from. This is Philippians 4.19, the classic verse that we all know so well. It says, My God shall supply how much of our need? All of our need according to his riches. Where? In glory, according to his riches in glory. Why? Because that's where we're sent from, okay? We're not supplied according to the riches on earth. We're supplied according to the riches in heaven because that's where we were sent from. The ambassador does not have to raise money for himself. The country that sends him will raise the money for him and pay for whatever he or she needs. Vehicles, office equipment, supplies, personnel, staff, whatever they need, the country that sent him sends it. The ambassador just simply uh, fills out the request form, I need a vehicle. The United States government says, fine, vehicle approved, and they send him one. I need three vehicles, fine. 
uh, request approved. They send him three vehicles. Okay. Whatever the case may be. I need, I need, I need, I need more security. Okay. They send more Marines to the compound, whatever the case may be, whatever the guy needs, that's what he gets to do his job as an ambassador for the country that sent him. Okay. Look at Matthew chapter six, verse number 25. Matthew six and 25. Jesus, I love this passage. This is just so comforting. Here's what Jesus says. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father... Notice, the heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? In other words, your worry won't change anything, so why worry? Verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't spin, they don't toil. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, verse 30. If God will so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? There's the problem, O you of little faith. The problem is little faith, okay? Why? Because they don't understand that as an ambassador for heaven, God is obligated to meet our needs. You don't have to pray and try to twist his arm and hope he comes through. He already appointed us. He identified us. He'll provide for us. You need a better car? Get one. You need, a, you need some more money to operate? Get the money you need. Why? Demand it in the name of Jesus. Okay? Why? Because you're the ambassador. You need it. You need it to represent heaven. Listen, if your car is held together with Christian bumper stickers, that's not a good witness to the community. You know? Driving up with the car, you know, with the bumper stickers that say Christians aren't, aren't perfect, you're just forgiven, and there's this big blue glory cloud coming out the back end. No, that's not a witness that people need to see. And I'm not suggesting we all need to drive a Lexus either. But at the same time, you know, we should have our act together to the point where, you know, our life is not this streaming video of poverty everywhere we go. Jesus says, Consider, look at this, look at the birds, he says. Look at the birds or consider the flowers. Okay, he's using examples here, friends. Okay. When was the last time you saw two birds sit on a branch and the one bird turns to the other bird, nudges him with his wing and says, dude, I, I, I'm, out of, I'm out of twigs. I got to go down to the lumber yard and get some more twigs. You know, I got to build a new addition on my nest. Have you checked out the cost of twigs these days? I mean, it's going through the roof. I don't know what to do with it. And the other, the other bird says, buddy, I know what you're talking about, man. I tried to refinance my, my, my nest and they, you know, look at the rates they're charging here. This is ridiculous. You know, we don't know what to do here. I don't know, man. I just, what am I going to do? Well, just, I don't know. We'll just have to be twigless for a while. I mean, they don't care. They just roam around singing and flying, doing what they were told to do by God. They don't worry about their twigs to build their nest. They just go out there and build the thing. Okay? Look at the flowers. The flowers don't, you know, 
I mean, they just, they just grow. They look beautiful. They grow, and then they do what flowers are supposed to do. They look pretty. I noticed your flowers in the front when I came in. I made a, I made a verbal comment to nobody because I was by myself, but the, the comment was made nonetheless. Those are nice-looking flowers. Well, Kathy, I think you did a fine job out there. Praise the Lord. That's very, very appealing. Amen. Point taken. Jesus said, why do you worry? Your worry won't change anything. The ambassador does not sit in his office worrying whether or not he's going to have food to eat that day. He has a budget sent from America. The guy can have prime rib every night if he wants, okay, because the country that sent him is the country that will pay for it. An ambassador is not, does not need to support himself. He doesn't live off the country he's in, but from the country he is from. And number five, we'll finish with this one today, and we'll keep going tonight. The ambassador's instructions are always in written form, so there's no doubt about his duties and assignments. Let me repeat. The ambassador's instructions are always in written form, so there's no doubt about his duties and assignments. Okay? The ambassador gets encrypted cables okay, from his home country. You know, encrypted, of course, but those are his written instructions on what... His government expects him to do where they expect him to go, what they expect him to say, what the official ministry policy will be that he or she is supposed to represent. Okay? It's in written form. So the man can read it and know exactly what he's supposed to do. Okay? It's always in written form. Your Bible is your set of instructions. If you're not clear about what you need to do, go back to the Bible and look at the verses that cover whatever activity you're engaged in at the moment, and you'll have your set of instructions, okay? You don't have to worry. You, know, you don't have to wonder. You know, I, I just, these, these poor Christians that roam around wondering all the time what God's going to do. You just never know what God's going to do. Why don't you read the Bible? In most cases, he'll tell you exactly what he's going to do. It's not a mystery. Just read it. Okay, the, re- the reason you think it's a mystery is getting back to what we said earlier today of ignorance. They don't know what's in the Bible, so they don't know what, the, what is expected of them. Okay? If the devil comes knocking on my door, I know what I'm going to say. I know what I'm going to do. I'll just throw him right off the porch. You know, I'm not going to invite him in for cookies and, you know, coffee. You know, that's what most Christians do because they just let him in because they don't know any better. Now you just never know what God's going to do. I know what God's going to do. I can read it. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. Okay, if you're sick, you were healed. So you can be healed because you were healed. This is not rocket science. Third graders can handle this. Point being, hey, we are ambassadors for Christ. We need to start changing the way we see ourselves. We need to start thinking like who we are, acting like who we are, okay, living like who we are, and quit running around, you know, uh, uh, scrounging for the scraps that unbelievers leave us. And don't apologize for representing Jesus, by the way. You know, it's very politically incorrect now to be Christian in this country, in case you've noticed or haven't noticed. Let me inform you. It's politically incorrect to be a, an on-fire-for-God Christian around here in this country. Well, that's their funeral, not mine. Amen. I'm not going to compromise my message, my life, my faith, anything for some political clown that is a chameleon that changes with the moods of the moment. Those people come and go. 
we're on an eternal assignment. If they don't like it, that's their funeral. Too bad for you. I'm not changing just to, just to satisfy your political whims of the current moment. Can anyone say amen? Yeah. Well, you're going to offend some people. Jesus offended plenty of people. Amen. In fact, one time the disciples came to Jesus and said, Master, don't you, aren't you aware that you just offended all the Pharisees and the Sadducees with your statements? To which Jesus said, leave them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind. If the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a ditch. Just stick with me. Amen. I tell people, don't, don't quit living your life based upon the opinions of other people. Because some people will love you, many people will hate you. Jesus said so. But that's, you know, so what? On the day of rewards, it'll be all worth it. Amen? Because you held your ground and you didn't compromise your stand for Jesus just because someone else did. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Kudos to Harvest Church. You know, we're living in a time when churches are caving in to the political pressure to compromise a very simple message for, you know, the convenience of being accepted socially. Okay? We're not to be accepted socially. We're to be official representatives of the country that sent us. Amen? Praise the Lord. So that's who we are. That's who you are. So tonight we'll look at some other things and we'll make some adjustments if we need to. I encourage you to come back and listen to some more of this because I don't know about you, but I need to hear these things from time to time. Amen? We all do. We all do. Praise the Lord. This is what we teach overseas to the Bible school students. In the Philippines, the Filipino mindset is, you know, well, you know, Americans are all rich and they've got everything and we've got nothing. And I keep telling these people, no, that's not the case at all. That's just what you think. We don't, have, we, we don't all have homes that look like the cover of better homes and gardens. Okay? And Filipinos that come over here thinking that everybody has a home that looks like the cover of better homes and gardens, they find out that it's not that way here at all. Okay, I said, look, a lot of Americans are poor. A lot of Americans struggle financially just like you people. Okay, if you sell your soul to Jesus, good things will happen no matter where you live, no matter who you are. Amen? Amen. God's no respecter of persons. Amen? Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We believe the word is sown in good ground and that we'll take what we've heard today and apply it in our lives. We're not just going to walk out these doors and just forget about all of this. We are going to assess the life we're living and we're going to change if we need to so that we will be accurate ambassadors for you, Lord, wherever we go. We want to thank you, Heavenly Father, for reminding us that we are all ambassadors for Christ right now. We represent you, Lord. Help us to represent you accurately with a life that you are proud to say belongs to you. And we thank you for this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. We don't do services without giving people a chance to receive Jesus if they have never done so. Of course, in a service like this on a Sunday morning, percentages being what they are, most everybody, if not everybody, is already born again. But perhaps you're here as a visitor. I don't know. I don't know who is and who isn't. But God knows you. He knows where you've been. He knows what you're doing. He knows everything about you, okay? And if you're not ready to meet Jesus, you are gambling with your soul. And people in hell wish, they wish above all things that if they had one more chance 
to accept Jesus, they would be given that chance, but they will never have that chance. They're lost. And hell is populated by people who thought they would have more time, who said, I'll do this someday. You know, I'll do it someday, but not now. I'm not ready. And many people died not ready. And it's too late. So if you're here today and you're not right with God, for heaven's sake and for your sake, get things right with Jesus before you leave this place today. Because you're one heart attack away, one stroke away, one car crash away from one catastrophe away from eternity. Okay? If you're ready to meet Jesus, good for you. If you're not, you're gambling with your soul, and that's a very foolish thing to do. Okay? So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I give an invitation, the likes of which I do overseas. We simply challenge people over there like we do here. I'm going to count to three. When I reach three, and you know you're not right with Jesus, whether you were on fire for the Lord and now you're not and need to come back to your first love, or you've never accepted him and you know it. Maybe you've been to church all your life, you know, Methodist, Lutheran, Catholic, whatever, but that's not salvation. I was a good Catholic. I went to Mass every Sunday, man. I mean, you know, I did all the things they taught me to do, but I wasn't saved. I wasn't born again. I was just a good Catholic person. That was my story. Maybe you're, you know, good Lutheran, good Methodist, good Baptist, whatever, but that's not, that's not salvation. When I reach three, put your hand up if you know you need to make changes. Now, don't be looking around, okay? Just be concerned about your own life and your own soul. When I reach three, put your hand up. I'll acknowledge it, and then we'll all pray together. Everybody will pray together. And I won't ask you to stand. I won't ask you to come down to the front to embarrass you so don't get nervous, okay? I won't do that. But I do want you to be honest with your life because God knows exactly what's going on. You're not fooling him. Maybe you're fooling us, but you're not fooling God. He sees and knows everything, okay? At the, point, at the count of three, make a decision. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. I am choosing to turn my life around, okay? One, two, three. Hands up if I'm talking to you. One, two, I count. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hand down. I see two. Let's all stand. Two put their hands up. God bless you for your honesty. There may have been more. There may be more than two. That's okay. It's not the hand up necessarily that's the deal, but to seal the deal, we have to say something. The Bible says, with our heart we believe and with our mouth we confess, okay? So we'll all say this together. Even if you are right with God, I want you to say this to support those who may not be, okay? We'll support them with our confession with them, all right? Uh, You're not talking to me, you're talking to Jesus, okay? And he's listening, all right? He's not too busy with something going on somewhere else. He's listening right now to us talking today. So let's say this together. We're talking to him. I'll lead, and just you follow along, okay? Let's say this out loud, everybody together. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today, and I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, that you died on a cross, paid for my sins, and rose from the dead. So today, I make my choice from now on. And forever, I choose to serve you. And I make you the Lord of my life. I'm sorry for my sins, but I receive my forgiveness. And I'm not looking back. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen.
Now, that's a, that's a declaration God can work with. It's not actually a prayer. We call it a prayer of salvation. It's not a prayer. We're not requesting something. We're declaring something. All right? He already saved us on the cross legally, but we have to accept it, you know, inside of our own hearts. So that's what we did. It was a declaration of intent. Amen. Praise the Lord. Have a seat. Thank you. Tonight, we'll pray for the sick. We'll lay hands on people. We'll let the Holy Spirit do his work tonight. So if you need help physically, please come back tonight. We'll continue talking about what it means to be an ambassador for Jesus, what that entails, and what responsibilities go with it. Okay? And also, if you'd like that T-shirt that I mentioned earlier, we'll have those out there in the lobby, and uh, you're uh, welcome and encouraged to get one of those. That's a fundraiser for us. Okay? It's just a fundraiser. Helps us to pay the bills and gives you something nice to wear and a little bit of witnessing with it, okay? So if that's something you would uh, like to have, then we'll be out there at the end of the service to uh, work with you there. Did this help anybody today? All three of you. Did this help anybody today? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord, once again for the word. We thank you that you'll help us be doers of that word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor?